Hello everyone and welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. It's great to see you today. Reason for Hope is a hour-long live broadcast which is guided in the most part by your questions on the Bible. That's right, you can send your questions in through our multiple online platforms that we're streaming on and we will delve into the Bible uh, to answer those questions. So you may have a question on a verse or passages of scripture. Uh, it might be something even you've experienced in your life. You'd like a biblical perspective, maybe even other belief systems, maybe just Christianity itself, anything um, in that realm. As long as you know, we're going to delve into the Bible to answer those questions. Um, it's all fair game. Um, there's no dumb question. As long as it's an honest question of the heart, that's what we're here to do today. So we're very glad that you're joining us. My name is Dave Robson, looking a bit like Where's Waldo or Freddy Krueger, one of the two. <laughs> Didn't realize that. We'll go with Waldo. <laughs> yeah, okay. How's that? A little less threatening. A little less threatening. Yeah. 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 I'm not very yeah. threatening at all, yeah. so I'll soften it down. But also with us, Pastor Sean Richards. How are you doing today? Good. Reminiscing on an event that took place exactly one year ago today in the spirit of uh, April Fools, I had a random moment of inspiration at about 10 o'clock at night. You can look at his face here. Oh my gosh, Um, this was epic. Yeah, uh, I'll make it brief for the sake of the reason you're all gathered here, but basically I uh, stumbled across a prank video of someone putting up a Google text-to-speech dial tone of like, you know, uh, Pima County Correctional Facility has a collect call from, and then they, you know, say the name and stuff, press one to engage in the call. So I had that all set up, they didn't see it coming. They don't browse the internet, so they, they weren't in on it. All they knew is that a text-to-speech number was getting a collect call from Pima County Correctional Facility. Oh my God. I had a separate tab ready on YouTube for the dial tone button, and I could already hear in the background my mom was having about as much a heart attack as you were, and I, I had more, but I decided just holding up the phone and the call being ready, he was almost out the door with his keys to come and pick me up with bail money and i just said april (laughs) it was like 10 30 at night (laughs) it probably took two years of life off of him but it was funny sure i'm sure yeah when you hold those little bundles in your arm for the first time (laughs) you think they're just uh, really cute and yeah and then what happens? It's all yeah. downhill from there. Exactly. Then there's a brain. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll be, when is April 1st? Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be staying away from you, Sean, because yeah. you tend to be the guy. <laughs> well, I don't usually do <laughs> things like that. That's why it caught everyone off guard. <laughs> yeah, right. the, the, the timing was, was epic. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, also with us, Pastor Scott Richards. He's a senior <laughs> pastor here. I'm responsible for this life. You see he's, you next year as well. He's the uh, spoofer, and I'm the spoofy. That's right. Yeah, yeah father and son. Yeah. Team, yeah. how are you doing today? You doing good? I'm, I'm doing great. Good. It's good to see. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. Thanks for making time, you guys. Oh, I'm having PTSD here. right now. But yeah, that's okay. Just watch that for me. Yeah. We're safe. I think we're safe here. It's not April yeah. April first yet, but well, as I mentioned, a reason for hope. It's a live broadcast. We're with you Monday through Friday, five to six p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's here in Tucson, Arizona, where we're broadcasting from. But of course, through the wonders of the internet, you can join us all around the world, whatever time zone that lands in for you. Keep in mind, it's an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson that will help you when you're trying to find us on different platforms. So check out our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. If you follow that Watch Live tab right there, that will take you out to our live page. It's where we stream to our services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship and, of course, uh, this program, A Reason for Hope. When we're offline, you'll see a countdown to the next time we're going live. You'll see a schedule of upcoming events. 
But if we are live like we are now, you'll see the video there. You can sign in with a username of your choice and then be part of the broadcast. That way you can send your questions in and I will be monitoring that chat function for your uh, questions. So ccftucson.online.church is the direct link for that or, or calvarychristianfellowship.com. Follow the link from that website. That will take you to the same place. Uh, of course, we're on Facebook, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson or facebook.com slash Tucson. Don't forget to like and share us around if you've been blessed by this ministry. We'd sure like to reach out to the people in your sphere of influence as well. And that's another way you can send in your question in the chat box right there. I will be watching. I am watching you and receiving your questions. So send them in through Facebook as well. We have an app for your mobile device. Look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Yes, you guessed it. And you can download our app on your iPhone or Android or mobile device. And we also have a channel on Roku and Apple TV. So if you have a smart TV or uh, Roku or Apple TV box, you can um, add our channel to your channel list and you can watch us that way as well. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash at a reason for hope 546 or just search for A Reason for Hope, and you will find us there. That's a great place to go. If you missed a show or want to recap, just go to that Live tab, and that will take you uh, to the page, an archive of any time we've been live at all. It's archived there for you, so you can catch up on shows that you missed, or just rewatch maybe a question that um, you'd like to study or rewatch. That's a great a resource for you on YouTube, A Reason for Hope on YouTube. Go to that Live tab, or you will see us live there currently as well. And again, while you're there, don't forget to like and uh, subscribe, click the bell. That means you will be notified when uh, we are live. Get a little reminder and you can join us that way. Our senior pastor here, Scott Richards, with us today. He's on Twitter, Scott R4H. He posts highlights from the show and kind of commentary on things going on in the world and news events. Um, it's very interesting to follow along with him. So you'll want to do that if you're on Twitter, Scott R4H. Just add him, follow along there on Twitter as well. Um, a newer to us platform, Rumble, we post at the moment our archives there, but we're looking into whether we can stream live there as well. So more to follow on that. But we're on Rumble, A Reason for Hope, Bible Q and A. That's where you'll find us. And last but not least, our email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. Questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. If you listen to us on the radio, uh, you are listening to the last show we did pre-recorded. So you'll want to use that email address and we'll get to that question on our next show and consider joining us on one of the live platforms so you can follow along with us live and have your questions sent in live as well. So once again, all those various platforms, however you're joining us, send your questions in. I will be monitoring those and we will try to get to all your questions today, try and get your questions in early. We would appreciate that. Well, before we go any further, we love to pause and pray. We know we're handling God's word. It's a pretty serious thing. He's very gracious with us. But yes. Pastor Scott, would you like to pray for us? I would love to do that. That'd be great. Lord, what a privilege it is that we can speak here on planet Earth and know that we, our voices are heard in heaven. And, and what, a, what a price you paid for us to have this connection, this uh, communication, this communion with you, this heart-to-heart -heart relationship. Your son died for us. Uh, to pay the price for our sins and to reconcile us to you. It was the only way that your love and your justice could be satisfied. And we rejoice, Lord. We don't want to in any way, shape, or form treat that as a uh, given, uh, something to be taken for granted. Uh, the awesome price that Jesus paid, not only physically suffering the horrors of the cross, but uh, taking all of our sin and our shame, your wrath, your righteous wrath upon our sins, upon himself, that we might become the righteousness of God 
in him. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you for this privilege. We thank you that not only can we speak to you in a moment like this, but that your word can speak to us and allow us to be able to hear your voice, to take in your wisdom, and to share your heart. That's what our desire is at the end of this broadcast, to have all of these things and so much more happen within our lives because your word is living and active. It always accomplishes what you send it out to do. So prepare our hearts, Lord. And I pray that if there are any uh, that are tuning in that don't know you as their personal Savior, that this would be the day that you would draw them to yourself with loving kindness and compassion, that you would let them know that all they need to do is turn to you and trust in you to forgive their sins and to make them a brand new person, and that by faith they can be born again, given a brand new nature where they want to do the things that are pleasing to you, where they can leave the old ways behind and know newness of life. Thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's true. Amen. Well, sometimes, Pastor Scott, you have something to share with us that's going on. Is there any, anything you want to share before we yeah, dive into well, questions? Yeah, uh, well, you know, as we've been talking about during the week, we try to keep you up to date, especially on things going on in what our friend Joel Rosenberg calls the epicenter of biblical prophecy, that is Israel. Uh, continued protests are going on there uh, regarding uh, the judicial form a reform initiative uh, that uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has uh, been championing there. Uh, looks like the brakes have been put on this judicial reform because not only of the protests here, but because uh, yesterday uh, Joe Biden made some comments uh, about uh, how uh, Israel was on the wrong track, uh, a anticipated visit of Benjamin Netanyahu to uh, the White House has been put on hold, which is uh, pretty unprecedented in terms of uh, Israel and uh, American relations. Uh, the judicial reform uh, that has caused all this uh, dust up, uh, some have called it, uh, I guess to use the name of the old movie, a bridge too far uh, for the Netanyahu administration. What it attempted to do was that it attempted to bring a balance to the powers that be. In the United States, we have uh, what we call uh, a, a balance of powers. We have an administrative uh, uh, branch of government. We have a legislative branch of government and a judicial branch of government, and they're designed to offset each other so that one doesn't dominate the other. Well, in um, Israel's form of government, it's parliamentarian, it's different than ours. Uh, the uh, judicial has, uh, over the years, uh, taken uh, more and more responsibility uh, to the point where they could uh, pretty much uh, veto any kind of legislation that uh, the legislative side intended to pass. So uh, in uh, an attempt to offset all of that and the fact that uh, judicial appointees uh, in Israel come from the judicial branch, they don't come from the legislative as, or from the administrative as they do uh, in our form of government, it became sort of a self-perpetuating kind of a thing. Uh, what this judicial for reform was intended to do, among other things, just the uh, broad strokes, was uh, to have the, uh, the uh, Knesset, that is the legislative branch, be the one responsible for judicial appointees, uh, that uh, the judicial appointees wouldn't be appointed for life, uh, that they would have a, a narrowing of their terms, and uh, that uh, the judicial branch could reverse a decision by the judicial branch uh, with a simple majority. In other words, uh, there are 120 seats in the Jewish Knesset. If 61 uh, of their representatives decided that a decision of the Supreme Court uh, was uh, off base, uh, they could, by that simple majority, set it aside. Well, uh, evidently, this has just created a hue, cry, and an uproar unlike any other. 
there have been protests on both sides uh, in the streets over all of this. Uh, there have been those who have uh, said that they would not serve uh, if they were called up as reservists in the IDF because they're protesting this particular uh, move on the part of uh, the Netanyahu government. Uh, on uh, the Debka Files website, which uh, we uh, have uh, hints might be uh, the Mossad's uh, version of events, they point out that there have been two times that our current administration has attempted to remove Netanyahu as the prime minister without success. Now, both sides, uh, Joe Biden and Benjamin Netanyahu, have uh, since all this dust-up has happened this week, uh, made uh, real attempts to uh, walk back from the brink, if you will, both of them uh, emphasizing the fact that they've had over a 40-year relationship with each other and it's been cordial and and that uh, Joe Biden has uh, emphasized the fact that he is a friend of Israel and that his track record supports that. Benjamin Not Netanyahu uh, has uh, agreed with that, but uh, really is uh, an interesting thing because uh, what the United States is saying is, is that Israel needs to put the brakes on that, and that is exactly what's happened this week. Netanyahu has said we're going to put this initiative on pause for some kind of limited time. Well, the Biden administration uh, wholeheartedly agreed with that. I think uh, their idea is that it would not only be put on pause, but that it would eventually just go away uh, as soon as things died down. But uh, the interesting thing about all of this is that uh, on the other side of the coalition that Benjamin Netanyahu has to uh, keep going in Israel is that uh, some of uh, those who are on the uh, pro-judicial uh, reform side of things have made some pretty strong statements. Ithamar Ben-Giver, uh, we've talked about him before. <laughs> He's really a guy who can stir the drink over there. Uh, among uh, other things, he is uh, promoting the idea uh, of uh, a serious review of a request uh, that uh, at uh, Passover coming up, uh, that uh, Jewish rabbis would be allowed to go onto the Temple Mount and offer a sacrificial lamb. You can imagine how big that would go over with the Muslim world, especially during the Ramadan Bamathon, as it has been called down through time. Wow. And some sects of Orthodox Jewish rabbis as well, because they believe no Jew should set foot on the Temple Mount lest they accidentally stumble on the location of the Holy of Holies. And not be the high priest who alone could go in there. Yeah. So as you can imagine, all of these things are dusting up. Ithamar Ben-Giver uh, came out with a statement uh, regarding the uh, Biden administration's pushback on this, that Israel is not the 51st uh, star on the American flag. <laughs> Pretty blunt. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of analysis. You can go to the Jerusalem Post. You can go to Joel Rosenberg's allisrael.com uh, uh, website and, and read up on some of these articles. But uh, the, the long and the short of it is this. Uh, the average American president does not want to get into a dust-up with Israel. First of all, it's not good politically uh, because uh, the vast majority of people in the United States support Israel, and if uh, an administration is being seen as being anti-Israel or, or making life difficult for them, just not great politics. Uh, the other thing is uh, this uh, judicial controversy. Uh, one commentator said has uh, taken all the air out of the room as far as being able to deal with the real situation that is going on over there. We talked about how uh, the equation in the greater Middle East has been absolutely scrambled 
uh, this last week uh, when it was announced that China, uh, communist China, brokered a peace deal between uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, We were probably inches away from Saudi Arabia joining what we call the Abraham Accords at one point. Uh, But because uh, Saudi Arabia did not believe that the United States was going to be a uh, reliable ally, and because of a lot of dust-ups regarding human rights violations, which are many in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia decided that, uh, well, you know what? If I'm going to align myself with a superpower, I might as well align myself with a superpower who will never give me any kind of gas about human rights violations. Uh, China, as we know, is an incredible violator of human rights and, uh, and so uh, would not sit in any kind of judgment of either the Iranian regime or the Saudi regime. So here you have the old, the enemy of my enemy is my friend mentality going in here. Saudi Arabia, Iran, and China, along with Russia now, it looks like, are forming a coalition. Other power uh, brokers in the region, including Pakistan, uh, which uh, last time we checked was a nuclear power in the region, and even India are considering joining this Chinese uh, brokered delegation or coalition uh, of nations here. So uh, essentially, this creates two issues for Israel and the United States. Number one, for the uh, Israelis, uh, they can't count on Saudi Arabia's cooperation or support in any kind of a dust-up with the Iranians. Uh, The Iranians are not only backed by the Russians, who have their own problems going on in Ukraine right now, but they're also backed by the Communist Chinese, which last time we checked was also a major nuclear power in the region. Uh, So, you know, we we have uh, Israel uh, being in this set of circumstances where they've got no really other allies aside from the other uh, signees on the Abraham Accords, which are not military powers, which Mm. will not help them in any kind of uh, major conflict uh, that would break out in the Middle East. And for the United States part, uh, the only real reliable ally that we have in that entire region now is Israel. Mm. Uh, the rest of these uh, nations are kind of looking around saying, hmm, maybe we need to get in on some of that uh, sweet communist China money and support ourselves. So uh, the, the balance of power in that region is being radically shifted, and uh, it is not in the best interests of the United States as a world power to continue to drive people into this uh, communist Chinese and Russian-dominated coalition of nations. But that seems to be exactly what's happening here. And the more there's instability between Israel and the United States, the more Uh, say it is demonstrated to the other uh, leaders of nations around there, whether it's Egypt, whether that's Jordan, uh, these other nations that are sort of standing by watching all this happening here, uh, they're going to start doing the calculus and saying, "Mm, maybe uh, we can't count on the United States either, which gets into a prophetic uh, question that always comes up. Where is the United States in end times prophecy? We've said there's three possible options. Number one, uh, that the United States has taken out in some kind of a limited war. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not sure that how super likely that is, although uh, the red Chinese uh, balloon incident tells us that uh, our defenses are not what they could be. Uh, the other possibility is that uh, the uh, rapture could take place, 
And if uh, the uh, statistics are correct, that there's some 50 million uh, born-again believing Christians in the United States, say that's half right, uh, 25 million people gone would absolutely devastate the United States, probably more than any other nation on earth. And mm -hmm. so that may be why the United States isn't mentioned as one of the big players in the last days. But the other one, and this seems to be moving more in this direction, is that uh, the United States may, almost like uh, Britain prior to World War I and such, kind of seen its day. Mm. You know, there was a time where the sun didn't set on the British Empire, uh, the uh, British dominance of the seas uh, through their battleship diplomacy, if you will, uh, made them the number one dominant power on the earth for right. a time. But uh, after a time, uh, they kind of lost the stomach and the economic will to be able to keep an empire like this together and going. And a couple world wars will knock the stuffings out of you. Yeah. And uh, the British Empire pretty much broke up. It's now a commonwealth. Uh, and I'm not really sure, you know, how much heft there is even behind that commonwealth. Yeah. And then I left days. the country and then it really just, you know, went to went down the drain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the whole point of this is, is what happened to Britain easily happening, is happening, I believe, to the United States. Yeah. Uh, you know, you lose the moral fortitude to be the policeman for the world. You don't even know where you stand on issues morally. And the whole big dust up that has happened this week as a result of the tragic and horrific uh, events that took place in uh, Tennessee, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, shooting of uh, and the, the murdering of uh, six individuals by a uh, avowed transsexual, yeah. uh, the uh, the manifesto that this person wrote that uh, said that this was politically and uh, who knows maybe even spiritually inspired uh, is supposed to be released and hasn't been released as of yet. And the violent gathering that's going to take place in D.C. tomorrow. Well, apparently that's been called off. Oh, good. Hmm. So uh, they, they said that uh, the Antifa people said that uh, there were uh, possible violent threats, so they're going to call that off or, or minimize it. Uh, but the, the bottom line is our, our president himself uh, made a statement uh, saying that uh, the uh, trans community are the real victims here uh, or, you know, and, and you know, when you have six people who are murdered, uh, but you've turned it around and said, well, really, it's the people who criticize uh, the uh, trans community or don't go along with their, uh, their agenda because of spiritual or moral qualms against it, mm -hmm. that they're kind of the problem. Which you know? is more depressing than the event itself. Yeah. So, you know, just the amazing flip-flop that's happened there. You know, we are seeing uh, our nation losing the wherewithal to do this. It's very interesting to me that uh, in light of our administration making such a strong statement uh, and uh, the uh, qualms that are going on with Israel, I also saw, and I'm not going to say there's a cause and effect here, but uh, you can do the math at home. Uh, there has been uh, what they would call a historic outbreak of tornadoes across the area around Arkansas and the Middle East and the uh, the Midwest uh, today. Uh, I, I kind of wonder if God did judge us through a phenomena, phenomena like this, if uh, in our secularized society we'd even put two and two together. But, um, you know, the old saying, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Uh, we, I think, have continued to maintain our place in the world and have not been judged by God for uh, the millions of children who have been slaughtered through abortion, 
uh, through uh, becoming the number one purveyor of por pornography uh, to the world, to all of the other crazy things that have gone on. Now turning uh, a purposeful yeah. blind eye to the persecution and slaughter of his people. Yeah, so the, the, the bottom line uh, is, is this. Uh, people say, well, do you think the United States is going to get judged by God? Well, I hearken back to a famous statement uh, by Albert Camus, the uh, French philosopher and writer. He said, uh, I tell you a secret, my friend. Do not wait for Judgment Day. I tell you it happens every day. Mm. And uh, I think sooner or later there is that principle in Galatians 6 where we reap what we sow. Right. Uh, and uh, we're seeing some of that happen here. So I do believe that this uh, building coalition of uh, maybe not the 800-pound gorilla economically and militarily the United States was, but if you get, you know, five uh, medium-sized gorillas together, <laughs> you've got a pretty formidable uh, enemy to uh, to deal with. And, uh, you know, again, when we see that uh, one of the biggest concerns of even uh, our military academies right now are instructing uh, the uh, cadets on the proper use of pronouns, um, mm. I'm not really sure we are ready to stand up to a, a military threat, say a move on Taiwan, uh, a, an outbreak of war in the Middle East. Uh, we still have the hardware, but do we have the will to use it? Uh, so it's very possible that one of the reasons that the United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy is that like Great Britain, we've had our day in the sun. Mm. Uh, we've uh, lost our allegiance to God and to his principles, mm. and uh, we will fall by the wayside. Yeah. So it's very possible we're seeing that happen. Right, right. Wow. Well, thank you. So, thank you for that. Cheery news. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> pray, pray, pray. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. But when we see all these things begin to happen, look up for your salvation draws right. near. Right. Uh, you know, just a, a word of exhortation out there. You know, again, I grew up in an era where we saluted the flag every morning and, mm. you know, celebrated the 4th of July. And we were, you know, we didn't believe the United States was the greatest uh, nation on earth. And I still believe that. But uh, the, the, the bottom line is uh, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly await a savior. Amen. You know, the one who puts their trust in man, uh, the Bible says, woe unto you when you do that. Yeah. In fact, uh, if you want to uh, get to a place where you don't allow these things to uh, rile you too much and you get a heavenly perspective, got a homework assignment uh, for those of you tuning in. I don't know if you're ever into scripture memory, uh, this would be a good one to memorize, but it would also be a good one to bookmark in your Bible and read on a semi-regular basis when these kind of things are going on. Psalm 2. Why do the, the nations rage and the people's plot a vain thing? The leaders of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us throw off their shackles, mm -hmm. and so on. The Lord in heaven laughs. He sees what's going to come. Mm -hmm. He's going to set his son on his holy hill, yeah. and uh, the Messiah is going to rule and reign. So I think the more we can understand that, uh, boy, look at Psalm 2, read Psalm 2 before you go to bed tonight. Bookmark it. Uh, if you are inclined to memorize it, it's good to have in the back of your mind uh, because we get bombarded by such craziness going on here. As the return of Jesus draws near, what did we really expect? Uh, these sort of things are really kind of predictable. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but uh, we need to have a strong scriptural grounding or we fall victim almost to, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, chicken littleism, 
you know, we can get hysterical and say the sky's falling or yeah. we just get depressed and oh, what difference does it make? Um, you know, the Lord's coming soon. And, and I would really say, if you want to answer the question, well, what can we do about all of this? Well, there's some who believe that elections don't work anymore. There's some who believe that our political system is so fractured and, and so sold out, uh, to corruption that it, you know, well, great. Okay. Let the, the politicians, uh, be concerned about that. You want to do something? Tell somebody about Jesus. Tell somebody who's looking at this world and just saying, wow, where's the hope? Tell them about the hope that we have in a living relationship with Jesus, that he, God, very God, became a man, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God. Uh, you know, people say, what do you think this world's coming to? I've got an answer for him, an end, at least under current management. But uh, the Lord's coming soon, and that is a reason for very solid optimism because just as Jesus rose from the dead in a moment of history, that same Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Mm. So uh, we've got hope. Yeah, we do. And if you're out there and you haven't taken advantage of that hope, please, just in a moment of prayer, turn to God. You, know, you got nothing to, to lose hanging on to this world that's falling apart. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to make you a brand new person. Put your faith and your trust in Jesus, and uh, he'll make you born again, and uh, your citizenship will be in heaven as well. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, once again, send your questions in uh, on the platform, wherever you're joining us, whether it's our website or Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we're monitoring those, and we'll be getting to your questions right now. We have a, a question coming from Felicia. Um, is it okay if my husband is my friend instead of my husband? I have to submit and obey. Uh, my husband is my buddy, not a leader. Thank you. Ooh, that's a question. Uh, boy. Um, well, Felicia. Well, is it okay? Scripturally, it's not. No, yeah. not at all. And yeah. That's why I think the best clarification is when you were married to this man, were you married to this man or is this just a living situation? Because if you're not married in any biblical sense, then it's a good thing because the description of your relationship isn't spelled out for you in Scripture, and therefore you're not accountable to it. You can define your relationship with the man living in your house any way you want. But if you choose to purposefully participate in an institution that is meant to deliberately model the character and nature of God and has roles spelled out, not just on the basis of gender, yeah. but on the basis of the regard for each other in those roles, uh, the best way to outline your responsibilities is given for both of you in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, if scripture doesn't matter to you, then this doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> if you aren't married, then obviously this isn't an authoritative description of what your relationship ought to be like. Now, on the other hand, people say, well, my husband isn't a respectable individual in my eyes. Well, then we'd encourage you to perhaps 
fix that, seek to improve the relationship to such a way where his walk of God is one you can regard like Christ does the Father, and likewise that your walk with God would be someone that can model the Father's love towards his Son. But if that's just not your marital situation, then understand how serious a problem you're in. If we want to basically call ourselves married, but treat it just like the world and saying, well, it's a tax benefit. I've talked, and this is a true story, by the way, talked people out of getting married if that was the only thing they were getting married for. But if on the other hand, <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's true. Good. But I'm glad on, you did. <laughs> but if on the other hand, we are going to say, no, I'm going to take God's word and his understanding of what a marriage ought to be like seriously, then regardless of my feelings towards a person, I'm fitting into a job description. It'd be about as rational as me saying, you know, I have a boss at work, but it's cool if we're just friends. I don't have to do what he tells me to do. I don't have to respect him because he's just, you know, not as good as his job as I am. And there's just not that level of respect there. Can I just treat my boss as a friend? Well, it's good to be on friendly terms with your boss, just like it's good to be friends with your husband. Right. There should be more than one aspect of your relationship. But if you refuse to, I guess, allow professionalism and the definition of marriage to hold sway, then it's about as much a marriage as a hedonistic marriage would be or a secular marriage would be, right. which is hopefully not what you want. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I guess the, the, the question I would have, first of all, is this. Do you have a relationship, first of all, with Jesus Christ? Right. I mean, and if you do, uh, then the answer is going to definitely be different than if you don't. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to encourage people who don't know Jesus to live what, in essence, is a miraculous lifestyle. And by a miraculous right. lifestyle... Uh, what I mean is this, um, when it comes to God's basic instructions for husbands and wives, and you mentioned it, that, that passage at the end, but boy, look, look how it starts in Ephesians chapter six. Uh, you know, we are told in that passage, wives, verse 27, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let their wives be to their own husbands and everything. Well, human nature being what it is, I have sat down, like you mentioned there, Sean, uh, with couples, and in one situation, boy, it was kind of coming down to the very end. I mean, we're going to just talk about the nature of uh, the wedding ceremony itself mm -hmm. after some premarital counsel and all of this. And uh, I mentioned that that scripture would be a passage that I would read and part of the biblical vows. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the week. Uh, was that uh, you would make a commitment to the Lord uh, allowing you to be in a submissive role uh, spiritually within the home to your husband, that you would follow your husband's spiritual lead. And I just remember this woman looking at me going, I'm not submitting to him. And the guy turned about eight shades of, of pale. Yeah. And uh, I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, there's no way. Uh, I, you know, spiritually or any other way, I'm, I'm going to submit to him. You know, I, I'm going to have to be the leader. And I'm just, I said, well, understand something. Um, you're coming to me to do a Christian wedding. Um, Christian wedding yeah. has to be according to how Christ designed it. And, and, and I said, you two need to talk about some things. Mm. 
And so I went out of the room and I came back in and uh, they said, duh, we're not going to get married. Wow. And it's kind of ironically, uh, within six months, both of them came to me uh, individually at different times and, and said, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. For doing that because it would have been an absolute disaster. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and didn't and they so, used to call you the Terminator or something? Yeah. <laughs> that was my nickname in premarital counseling. And I'm upholding the tradition. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, the first thing I'd ask them when I, they'd come in was, okay, whose relatives are you going to spend the holidays with? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would usually be enough. That's it. Yeah. You know, who's going who's gonna to write the checks? <laughs> but you think that's bad? You should have seen what it was like to get marriage counseling with Pastor Romaine in Costa Mesa. Oh, I can't oh, imagine. Oh, my goodness. He wasn't the Terminator. He was the executioner. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the bottom line is I didn't mean to harsh anyone's mellow yeah. or ruin their romantic buzz. But... If I could talk somebody out of getting married, yeah, they shouldn't get married. Right. You know, it's got to be a calling from God. And, you know, the other side of it is, well, what about the man? Well, again, the scripture says, uh, you want to talk about tough uh, territory. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. They might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. They might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. Okay, here's your job description, guy. You're supposed to love your wife like Jesus loved the church yeah. when he gave himself for it, yeah. sacrificially. Right. Well, neither of those things work, right? If we just decide in our own human flesh, boy, this sounds like a great set of values, and I'm going to mm. buy myself, and every day I'm going to... Uh, you know, I was reading uh, uh, one of uh, Chuck Smith's books, and uh, he made an interesting observation that when we decide we're going to do the right thing, by golly, uh, we're going to do the Christian thing, and we're going to do this, that it's one of Satan's greatest strategies to, tra to trap people. Because sooner or later, if you try to do something that requires the miraculous intervention of God in your own power and strength, you're going to run out of gas, and you're going to get frustrated, and yeah. you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to give up. And uh, he has sidelined, Satan has sidelined more than one person with those kind of good intentions. Yeah. So uh, when the question comes up, you know, can we just be buddies, you know, this guy's not much of a leader and so on. If you don't know the Lord, you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart to be able to do any of these things. Trust me, I've been married for 30 years and I will tell you that one thing my wife Pam and I do every morning before anything gets going, as we ask for that filling and coming upon power of the Holy Spirit that God would love uh, the other person through us. Yeah. Uh, because if we try to do it in our own strength, we're not going to make it. It's just impossible with human beings. Yeah. But when God supplies the love, when He supplies the grace, when He supplies the forgiveness, then you got a shot, right? Yeah. You know, even that can be challenging because we wander away so quickly. So if you don't know the Lord, um, you know, and I've the i'm not sure the person's name felicia felicia yeah you don't know the lord felicia your husband doesn't know the lord you need to get to know the lord yeah because he can completely transform your relationship he can give you the power to do things the right way if you do know the lord and you do have a relationship with him boy i would highly encourage you to uh, get together with a solid biblical counselor you can get that kind of counseling here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, just call the office. We'll be happy to provide that 
for you. It doesn't that, have to be me. That, that can get you <laughs> grounded uh, and, and teach you how you can uh, do things God's way. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing is this. God, all of God's ways are pleasantness, and all his paths are peace, mm. we are told in, uh, in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 3. And so if you want pleasantness and peace in your marriage, mm. you got to learn how to do it. Unfortunately, uh, we just sort of assume that emotions or finding someone who will have you or, you know, living happily ever after scripts from the movies are going to carry the day. It won't. You know, right. we really do need to have that grounding and that, that growth and that discipleship. And then you got a shot. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Felicia, thank you for that, that question. It's great to discuss that issue for sure. Um, question here from Glenn. Where did April Fool's Day come from? Is it a Christian holiday? Um, <laughs> Technically, yes. Thanks. Um, oh, man, I got to hear this one. <laughs> he says, yeah, how, how can we use April Fool's Day for God's glory? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great question. There's a few theories as to where April Fool's Day came from, some having no evidence whatsoever, some having just enough evidence to be on the wrong side of obscure. The best theory that I've heard as far as my limited research on justifying my behavior is the uh, <laughs> establishing of the Gregorian calendar. If those of you who don't know, there's been a lot of Pope Gregory's, one of them, uh, established the calendar that we know and love today that uses the Babylonian structure but begins its new year in January rather than in April, which was usually the tradition. You know, spring, new life, that's generally the month that we want to get things to start. The Jewish calendar obviously doesn't care what those, you know, <laughs> Christians were doing in Europe. They still stick to their lunar calendar. Muslims likewise have their calendar that starts the date Muhammad made his pilgrimage from Mecca to Medina, the Hijra, they call it. But in this changing from April, early April, late March, into January, just to be numerical, I suppose. You, you can ask the Pope when you see him. I don't know. But they were adjusting this new calendar system, and as you know, if human nature has been consistent with anything throughout years, it's been 100% not in support of the government making decisions for everybody when you're already used to a system that makes sense. Obviously, there were people who were slow on the uptake, and so they called the old New Year April Fool's Day as a mockery to those who were switching over to that new Gregorian calendar. And Boy, and I thought uh, changing from daylight savings time was tough. Yeah, and, yeah. and that, that's yeah. essentially the crux of it. But when it comes to modern traditions and stuff, like we've talked about with Halloween, a lot of things have been added on over the years, but there has been, and this is important to remember, a very interesting theme that has been true in almost every culture when they've observed a monarchy or some sort of authoritative being. Obviously not Medo-Persia or Babylon, but in European monarchies, they would have a person in the court called a court jester. And we usually think, you know, the jingly hat, he's just the guy who does the, comic the, the, relief. The guy on the, uh, the playing cards. Right? Yeah, yeah, the, the comic yeah. relief guy who makes a quote-unquote fool of himself. He's basically just a walking Three Stooges act, but that wasn't actually his job. His job was essentially to be the spearhead of freedom of speech in the presence of the king. He was the one who was allowed to say anything and criticize the king's decisions, and he wouldn't be penalized for it. He would be a representative in a sense of the, uh, I guess, other than your own brain is the right one. Yeah. And the first mark of a tyrant was when a king dismissed his court jester. He didn't have someone in his life who would call him out on making dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. right. Now, sometimes court jesters were, you know, 
chosen specifically because they never wanted to offend anybody, and thus all the king's decisions went through. Mm-hmm. But the idea of coming boldly before the presence of the king is actually a biblical idea. The concept of freedom of speech being a universal one here in the United States, is, as well as the position of a court jester, believe it or not, is one that we all have before the throne of God, not that our voice dictates his decisions, but that literally the author of Hebrews says in chapter 4 and verse uh, 15 that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, literally to say anything in the presence of God. And what's interesting about that is, um, it's verse 16, excuse me, uh, we can do that not just to find mercy, but to communicate our hearts before someone who in any other culture, in any other circumstance, would not be spoken to that way. Right. Yeah. So when huh. it comes to the history of April Fool's Day, there's theories. Some people think it's a Roman thing. Other people think that it's a Persian thing. I think that the Gregorian one actually has evidence to it. Right. But you can no, take for what you will. Yeah. If you want to note the concept of a fool, the court jester, that is a biblical idea and one that we are benefiting from in our society. Uh, you can say we're a nation of fools, but we have the right to say anything and criticizing our government for now. But the point being made is just that. When it comes to biblically giving ourselves an opportunity to say anything before the throne of God, that is a biblical theme in the fool of a court. Now, as far as its modern application, and I'll just be brief with this, obviously, you know, I have a very wry sense of humor. As you can tell from my life's history, I sometimes implement it to obstruct those around me, but all in good fun. And obviously, when people are performing pranks and stuff, there's always that line of going too far. And again, I'll get to scripture on this in a moment. Just bear with me. The idea of a prank, like any other form of humor, is to be obstructive, not destructive. That's just my first advice, not to be a hindrance to other people or a stumbling block to other people, but to do so in such a way where you're able to communicate fun. To provoke thought. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's obviously lots of different ways to communicate humor. There's satire, just showing the absurdity of reality. There's absurdism, just being ridiculous for its own sake and letting people react out of shock. There's um, um, one other, uh, non sequiturs, just being random, spontaneous, and, and people are entertained by that. But obviously there's other forms of humor that can be, you know, kind of cutting humor at other people's expense. Right. There could be uh, slapstick humor, which always makes someone the brunt of the joke, and maybe they don't want to be. Slipping <laughs> on the banana peel, so to speak. Yeah. yeah, and of course, if the person's all in good humor, willing to graciously acknowledge they did something foolish and laugh with you, that's all good, but you need to consider the other person's feelings. In any pursuit of humor, it's obviously an expression of joy. It's not something you force, it's a reaction, which is why the best comedians, especially the ones that I involve myself with, are the ones that can make people laugh, especially when they don't want to. They cut through (laughs) political correctness. They cut through just the social stigma, like, oh, you don't say that about people. In fact, Dave, uh, whenever I'm writing jokes for my YouTube channel, I use your son as a metric. If he gets horrified, I know it's a good one. But (laughs) You're welcome. But the the point being made is just... I should charge for that service. Yeah. Yeah. Poor London. Yeah, Yeah. poor London. But, But the point being made is just this. We 
ought to be encouraging joy in each other's lives every way we can, because that's the kind of person Jesus was. Same book in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, it notes him, quoting the Psalms, as someone anointed with the joy of gladness more than that of his companions. He was not only a happy person, he was a fun person to be around. But noting then the character of Jesus, knew there was a time to laugh and a time to mourn, a time to dance and a time to weep. Right. All, and that's referencing Ecclesiastes, for those of you who want to know, chapter 3, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's all understanding, proper context, proper intent, proper audience. Understanding, I want to act like Jesus, but is my intent and is the audience intent both in alignment? If uh, your pranks and fun uh, this holiday season, if you will, are going to be Christ-like, then all the more for it. Obviously, sometimes we get closer to the line than others on yeah. <laughs> phone calls, yeah. but we still laughed afterwards. The point, though, being made is just that. Uh, is April Fool's Day a Christian holiday? It involved Christians in a way. Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church and its administrative decisions for the whole of Europe were, in fact, a Christian event. Uh, court jesters and their influence over European monarchies was a prominently Christian culture and taken from Hebrews 4. But noting as well, if you're going to say, you know, and on April Fool's Day, when the pie leaveth thy hand, you're not going to find it. So yeah. just make it sure it's all in good fun and make sure the people you're having fun with treat it the same way. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Very That's good. awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Well, fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's uh note you made that we can go before the king and say anything before him and be a jester in that sense yeah. you know that's that's, very <laughs> that's cool. literally what it was yeah very cool well glenn thank you great question hope that helps you out um sean you are just great yeah. i'm so glad you're here yeah um question from here. mac d what is meant by the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and i'll i'll mention this from psalm 23 our pastor scott here did a whole study on the on Psalm 20. Writing a book on it. Three. Oh, you're right. Yep. That's right. Write a book on it too. But we did a study here at uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship. You can find that on our website. I think it was Crisis Care for Struggling Sheep. Yeah. That was the name yeah. of this? Yeah. So yeah. if you're interested in Psalm 23 and studying that, yeah, go the, to calvarychristianfellowship.com. And, yeah. And the, and the perspective uh, comes from uh, the uh, uh, roundabout with cancer that I had a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, just really caused that passage to come alive. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was already alive, but certainly I became more alive to to the the truths you find in there. Yeah. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, Mac, uh, it's interesting how sometimes uh, we can become so familiar with Scripture uh, that we kind of lose the power of what's being said there. Uh, Most people are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, one of the most popular uh, passages in the Word of God. But boy, it is deep stuff. Uh, One of the things that I'm really benefiting from are uh, the insights of an author named W. Philip Keller. He was a a sheep rancher in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And uh, the background that he had, not only from his experiences ranching sheep, but also he was the uh, son of missionaries in uh, Kenya uh, Mm -hmm. who lived with the Maasai tribesmen who were also uh, animal herders. And some of the the, the insights that he has into, not just um, sheep and the nature of sheep and so on, uh, but uh, even how you manage sheep in the Middle East in that particular environment, really, mm. really powerful stuff. Mm. But to get to the, the essence of your question, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me just give you a couple of things, and it'll, maybe it'll wet your whistle a little bit. You can uh, go and access the, uh, the studies that we did there. It was mm. like a 10-message uh, study we did on the 23rd Psalm. Yep. Uh, but the, the first thing that we discover is this. 
of all the things that God could have inspired King David to say about who he is in his essential nature, his relationship with us. Um, you know, I could see someone saying, the Lord is my defense attorney. Mm. And he right. is. Um, you know, the Lord is, uh, you know, my, you know, you could go down the line of different mm -hmm. things that, that God could be. But why a shepherd? Mm. Uh, well, first of all, King David was a shepherd. Right. Uh, that's where he was found when Samuel went and tried to find the next king of Israel thought his uh, big strapping brother Eliab was the guy. Mm. Uh, and God pulled Samuel up short and said, don't look upon him or stature for I've rejected him. For God uh, sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Mm. Went through all of uh, Jesse's sons there. And uh, Samuel said, do you got anybody else? Because God was saying it's not the guy. Mm. He goes, well, I got one other, but you know, he's my youngest. And he's out with the sheep, you know, I mean, it's interesting how David's dad obviously didn't see that potential in him. You know, right. It was just kind of like, yeah. well, you don't want to talk to him. He's a waste of time. And, uh, you know, he saw David and the Lord said, you know, my anointed's before you. And uh, the rest was history. Hmm. Now, during that time of being a shepherd, David had an awful lot of time to hang out with sheep. He knew what it was like to be a shepherd. Yeah. And a shepherd does an awful lot of things. Uh, for sheep. Why? Because sheep are wanting creatures. Mm. Uh, if you wanted to define what a sheep is really all about, the word wanting is really good. Mm. They don't have claws or sharp teeth to defend right. themselves. They are wanting for defense. Mm. Uh, if a, a sheep, for instance, uh, snuggles down into like a little bit of a, a ravine and gets turned over on its back, it lacks the ability to get back on its feet again. That's what's being called a cast sheep. Yeah. And uh, they will literally die in that position. They can't take care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, as far as even uh, being able to discern between good uh, uh, fodder and noxious weeds that will kill them, sheep can't do that. Uh, They're absolutely wanting in discernment. Yeah. They are wanting creatures. Mm. And so, very interesting first line. The Lord is my shepherd. I know a little bit about sheep tending, David said. Yep. He's my shepherd. Yeah. Uh, I shall not want. Now, that's really interesting on a couple of levels. First of all, it puts us in our place uh, because, uh, you know, we think about uh, being a part of the flock of God and mm -hmm. we kind of romanticize it. Boy, sheep aren't smart. Sheep aren't capable. Yep. Sheep are absolutely dependent upon a shepherd even to survive. Uh, we are absolutely and totally uh, helpless without mm -hmm. the intervention of God. Uh, so, you know, that tells us something about ourselves, but it also tells us something else. Mm -hmm. God commits himself to being that shepherd that meets our every need. And the very next line is really interesting, uh, you know, and, and you can dive deeper into it. He says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's going to provide everything I need as far as provision goes that's not going to hurt me but it's going to be helpful and wholesome and life-giving to me. Hmm. It makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep won't eat unless they lie down first in a place like that. Hmm. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep will not drink from a running stream. Hmm. Um, they, they will prefer to drink from a little uh, uh, brackish little uh, uh, a hoof print that has a little water in it hmm. rather than any kind of stream that's, that's running. <laughs> Pretty useless, and so <laughs> a, a shepherd has to lead him to a place where there is still water yeah. you know and and the idea of still water there is the the ministry of the holy spirit in our life 
makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. Mm. Uh, the idea of restoring one's soul carries the idea of, uh, of uh, re- renewing one's vitality, one's youth, one's vigor, one's power in life. In other words, God is even going to give us the power to live a life. And it goes on from there. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you begin to understand this from, you know, the point of view of, say, uh, Philip Keller, and you begin to understand this from the point of view of David and his experience of being a shepherd, uh, you know, you saw, uh, uh, you know, almost immediately how uh, this time of being a shepherd prepared David for the first big challenge that he had mm. when he came on the scene. Two of them, actually. First of all, to be the guy who could calm King Saul down yeah. by his musical abilities, when all you have to do is watch sheep, um, a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. And David invested that time becoming an excellent musician mm. and wrote a number of the Psalms while he was out there. Nothing else to do than take care of the flock. Yeah. Uh, so God used that. Secondly, when you are a shepherd, it's kind of like being in the military. There's long stretches of boredom punctuated by incredible adrenaline rushes. Mm. And when a predator would come and attack the flock, yeah. uh, you know, when Goliath came and was threatening God's people, God's flock, David said, look, in my experience as a shepherd, uh, I had to deal with a lion and a bear and God delivered him into my hand. And this Philistine is going to be like one of them. Mm. You know, in, in other words, because God wrote on David's heart this idea of being a shepherd and he saw that shepherding work that's where David got the courage that everybody else in Israel lacked when it came to meeting the challenge of a nine foot six inch tall uh, giant uh, whose uh, end of his spear was the weight of a world-class shot put yeah Uh, nobody else wanted to do it no (laughs) David was just like man me and the Lord we handled bigger and badder things than this let's go yeah. And the rest of they say is history. Yeah. So, so good. Beautiful. So, yeah. Beautiful. So check out that study. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And we'll be praying for your for your upcoming book. Yeah. Um, no pre orders yet, but we're okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're working on working it. Working on so. it, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for being part of Reason for Hope. We're at the end of our show. It's the weekend now for us, but we'll be back here on Monday for more of your questions. Thank you so much. Great show today. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Cabaret Christian Fellowship of Tucson, in case you're in the Tucson area, we'd be glad to see you. If not, we'll see you back here Monday. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.